This is the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined remotely by our reporter. I'm Kuda Babcock with the COVID-19 outbreak update. And we have a special guest in the studio today, Professor Zach Rogers. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Thanks, Zach. So we're going to kick it off with local news with Ren. The city of Loveland has suspended the enforcement of RV rules to allow for better quarantine according to a press release. City manager Steve Adams signed an emergency order to allow RVs to be parked on private property to be used as overnight accommodation with the, private, the, with the property owner's written consent. This decision will suspend enforcement of municipal provisions regarding recreational vehicles. The decision was largely influenced by individuals and families needing to be quarantined from the rest of their family during the COVID-19 outbreak, such as medical and essential workers. The order allows for use of RVs for accommodation under conditions that prohibit the use of external generators and that prohibit the vehicles from being parked in the public right away. The order applies to self-propelled vehicles and other wheeled vehicles such as fifth wheel trailers, camper shells, and camp trailers. In other news, biochemists have unveiled a a molecular... I don't know, I couldn't say that, but I'm going to start over. (laughs) In other news, biochemists have unveiled a molecular mechanism for motor protein regulation that may offer insight into different brain diseases. Ann Manning from Colorado State University's source reports that CSU Biochemistry Research, Steve Marcus, and his team have been conducting research and published their study in Nature Cell Biology yesterday morning. The research examines dynein, an important class of protein, and how they deliver cellular cargo between various areas of the cell. His team has made a discovery in the understanding of how individual molecules affect dynein functions, as well as debunking previous findings regarding the Lysin Phalli 1 or Lys1 gene and how it affects dynein, suggesting that the Lys1 gene acts as an inhibitor to dynein and not an activator as previously thought. This research aids doctors in understanding Lysin Phalli, otherwise known as smooth brain, that is caused by the, a mutation in Lys1. Those with Lysin Phalli often suffer from seizures, limited motor function, and rarely live past a few years of age. With Marcus and his team's new finding regarding dynein and Liz1, scientists and doctors are closer to understanding the, mole- the molecular basis of this and other severe brain diseases. And that is all the local news I have for you today. Thank you so much, Ren. We're going to move on yes, to Coda Babcock with the COVID-19 update. Thanks, Max. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is the COVID-19 outbreak update for Tuesday, April 28, 2020. The Center for Disease Control has added six new symptoms to a list of COVID-19 symptoms. Chills, repeated shaking with chills, muscle pain, headaches, sore throat, and a new loss of taste or smell have been added to the list. These symptoms can appear anywhere from two days after exposure to virus to two weeks after exposure. Old Town Fort Collins is starting to reopen business as the safer at home period begins in Larimer County and across the state of Colorado. The new phase will allow shops to begin reopening, many recently beginning curbside pickup as an option. It will also allow about 50% of employees and non-essential businesses to return to work in the coming weeks, with the exception of restaurants and bars. Larimer County's Safer at Home phase was enacted on Sunday, April 26, and has the primary goal of maintaining 60-65% to physical distancing, and will be in effect until May 26, but it may be extended depending on the circumstances. The purpose of this new phase is to help reopen the economy without causing a spike in COVID-19 cases or overwhelming medical systems. Measures of safer at home are similar to those for the stay-at-home order, as the people are still expected to stay at home whenever possible. Customers and employees are still expected to wear masks in public places, 
as such as busy businesses or busy outdoor areas for the health and safety of others, gatherings of 10 or more people are still not allowed and six feet of physical distance is still expected to be maintained. Sick people may not attend work and are expected to self-isolate until 72 hours after their fever goes away without the use of fever-reducing medication. Travel outside of the community is discouraged unless it is for essential activities and playgrounds are still closed. Susceptible populations are still asked to stay home, except when absolutely necessary and are offered special hours for grocery shopping. Long-term care facilities intended for aging adults are expected to continue using extreme precautions. On Monday, April 27th, non-essential retail began offering delivery and curbside pickup and real estate showings were able to resume. Elective medical and dental services were also able to reopen if implementing mandatory practices. This Friday, May 1st, retail and non-essential business will be able to reopen if implementing mandatory practices and if they have completed Larimer County's checklist for reopening. On Monday, May 4th, commercial offices may also reopen if they've implemented mandatory practices and completed the county's checklist for reopening. Guidance for restaurants and bars, as well as places of worship, childcare, schools, and similar businesses will be made separately. The city and county of Denver, as well as some other regions, are not following the safer at home phase and instead have extended their stay at home order until May 8th, 2020. Larimer County has 337 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and a death toll of 15. Cases in Larimer County are 59% female and 41% male. The age group with the most confirmed cases is between the ages of 35 to 44, with 20% of all cases. 51% of these cases are in Fort Collins and 35% are in Loveland. The state of Colorado currently has 13,879 cases with 2,485 people hospitalized across 56 counties with 144 outbreaks. 66,341 people have been tested, and the confirmed death toll from complications of COVID-19 is 706. The United States has over a million cases, according to the New York Times, as of April 28th, or 957,875 cases, according to the CDC, as of April 26th, which includes thousands of probable cases and probable deaths. There are 52,188 deaths nationwide, and, if this, and this figure appears to be rapidly increasing at a rate of more than 2,000 each day. Many are dying without access to testing, which prevents accurate and representative reporting from many counties and states. Information from today's segment was gathered from the Colorado and Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the Center for Disease Control, and the New York Times. For more information on the novel coronavirus and the illness caused by it, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. That's all for today's COVID-19 Now Break Update. I'm Kuda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins 90.5 FM. Thank you so much, Coda. It's so interesting that we are reopening partially the city, and at the same time, you're also talking about how we have now crossed a million infections countrywide. Yeah, um, a good amount of them are in the um, northeast region of the U.S., um, specifically in New York. Um, So Colorado hasn't been as deeply impacted, but we do still have to worry a lot about a second wave Absolutely. Well, thanks, Coda. We are going to take a quick break, but if you missed any of that, you can find it on our website, kcsufm.com. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and you just heard from our wonderful reporter, Coda Babcock, about the COVID-19 outbreak. Yes, and we are lucky enough to be joined in studio by Professor Zach Rogers, who teaches supply chain management. Hi, Zach. Hi, it's good to be with you this afternoon. So I'm curious, and I'm just going to cut straight to the chase here, because 
Uh, you're the one who could tell me, and this is a big question. Do you think the United States has a supply chain in place that can withstand COVID-19? Okay, so that is, there's a lot of different answers to that question, and really it depends on what we're talking about. So, so far we've been fortunate in that the things that we need day to day are largely domestically produced. Here's what I mean by that. So, toilet paper, food, water, all the kind of things that, you know, when the the quarantine started, everyone kind of rushed out to go grab. For the most part, all of that is produced in the United States. And so that supply chain is fairly secure. Now, we're running into issues with some pieces of the food supply chain. And that's mostly because we're missing the processing step. So there's still, you know, plenty of demand at grocery stores. And we still are growing a lot of berries, producing a lot of dairy, raising cattle, all of that kind of stuff. The problem is like what you see at the JBS plant in Greeley, where they had to close down for two weeks and there's meat plants closing down all over the country. And so we're missing that step between raw materials and consumption. And so because of that, we actually see some companies destroying raw materials. Uh, For example, uh, Delmarva, which is a chicken processing plant uh, on the East Coast, they announced today they had to euthanize 2 million chickens. Now, that sounds crazy, right? Because we, you know, we have a lot of hungry people. We had 26 million people just lose their jobs. What are we doing, you know, euthanizing chickens or dumping out milk or any of this stuff? Well, the problem is um, meat processing plants are designed to have chickens of a certain size. And if the chickens, you know, eventually they get too big, and you can't do anything with it. It's the same thing we saw when, you know, oil went down to negative forty dollars a barrel uh, in future trading last week. It's because there's no processing capacity. You know, so we we process all this oil and then we need to send it somewhere. And because nobody wants it, you know, the the plants that process oil aren't designed to hold a bunch of oil in place because it it's you know they need to go quick. Uh, the the whole supply chain and this is true for most industries, is designed for something called swift, even flow. And so in swift, even flow, the idea is we're basically producing whatever we need right then, and then we're sending it out as quickly as possible because it's cheaper and it's more efficient to not have a ton of extra inventory on hand. So there's some industries that can adjust to that fine. There's other ones that need, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, that are high touch, like meat processing or something like that. They're having real problems pushing everything forward. Now, is there going to be a meat shortage? It, it seems unlikely right now. There might be a fresh meat shortage, but, you know, we have frozen stuff and, uh, you know, the vegans have been getting by just fine uh, for the last, you know, however many years. So, I mean, it, you know, we'll be okay. We'll be able to figure it out. Plus, we have a lot less stuff going to, you know, restaurants and things like that. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of the, the basic day-to-day stuff, We'll be okay, but we are having gaps in the supply chain. Now, for things like electronics, apparel, all of that tends to be international supply chains. And international supply chains slowed down about three months ago. So anything, you know, basically nothing came out of China in January, February. Things are starting to come now, um, but now our demand is really low again. And so you're kind of seeing, you know, I mean, we were fortunate that the things that we needed, you know, right away when the quarantine started, we made here. 
the things that we're going to want, though, as we get back to normal life, are are going to remain uh, remain international, and, and those supply chains uh, are going to take a while to to get uh, get back up to speed. So I don't know if that's really an answer to your question. I mean, because really the answer to your question is, I mean, there's no the supply chain of the United States. I mean, there's there's a supply chain for a bunch of different industries. And so depending on the industry we're talking about, probably the answer to your question is is a little different. Okay. Now, one thing I would say is uh, our logistics capacity um has been has been on a roller coaster ride and and so what i mean by that is i'm talking about warehouses and trucks basically and so if you look at about a month ago uh really maybe five or six weeks ago when we first went into quarantine mid-march we couldn't get enough trucks on the road uh and we and we could not find warehouse space because it was like everyone suddenly rushed out remember you know seeing all the the stories about oh there's no toilet paper there's no eggs all that kind of stuff you guys remember that so yeah so basically what was happening is we were trying to push everything forward as fast as possible because we had this huge spike in demand and so we had this big spike in demand and that spike lasts about two weeks and then it goes in the tank and now the the transportation market like you know commercial trucking fleets is totally flat it's like you, you let all the air out of the board um and it's it's we're seeing tender rejections and freight prices at levels that we haven't seen since like you know recession times basically you know 10 years ago we were we were seeing prices like this and it's because we've built up this massive logistics infrastructure you know like we were saying a minute ago everything is just in time inventory swift even flow meaning there's got to be a lot of of movement of goods a lot of really fast efficient movement of goods and you know we've had uh, this increase in in e-commerce and things like that and so a lot of things that you used to buy at the store now come on a truck to to your house your apartment so we have this huge infrastructure of trucks and warehouses and suddenly the trucks don't have anything to move because one demand is down because 26 million people have lost their jobs in the last five weeks there's 130 million americans who work 26 million of them don't have don't have a job so that's you know whatever that is 20 percent out the window in terms of employed americans which by the way for comparison we lost eight million jobs in the recession so and this is 26 million just to give you a sense of the scale it's a lot more. much more yeah and uh and so demand is down at the same time just like we mentioned a minute ago, the processing capabilities of many companies are also down. And so there's not as many goods coming out and there's not as much demand for those goods. And so trucks, logistics, that's sort of the link between those. And so if there's less output and there's also less demand, we have way less uh, movement. And so uh, we had this sort of spike for a couple weeks in the supply chain, in the logistics industry, and now that's pretty much gone. The only place where supply chains are really busy is in warehousing because we have a lot of goods on hand that suddenly we, we can't do anything to get rid of. You know, we built up, you know, for example, spring apparel, you know, all the, the spring lines were about to get ready to be sold. Well, now you can't go buy clothes. The, the lockdown happened the week before um, St. Patrick's Day and March Madness was supposed to start. We have an incredible 
a glut of uh, frozen chicken wings and draft beer thing in kegs that's not going to be good for that much longer that we just never used because nobody was going out for St. Patrick's Day or March Madness or anything like that. And so our warehouses are jammed full of stuff. We're having problems finding warehouse space. And we're also having problems finding things to put on trucks. So if we think about just the physical infrastructure pieces of logistics industry, excuse me, um, it, it's really a, a tale of, of, you know, kind of two, two, really two different stories where trucks are slow, warehouses couldn't be busy. So what does that kind of uh, surplus do to warehouses and how they're operating? Well, it's, it's like, um, it's like anything, right? So think about when you have to do the dishes at your house. And I don't know if you guys are like how I was in college, but I didn't always do the dishes at a regular rate when I was in college. And sometimes you get to the point where, you know, have you ever been like, okay, I really need to do the dishes. And your sink is just so full that you're like, I can't even start doing the dishes because there's just they're, they're they're just they're everywhere it's the same thing yeah do, do you, you guys life. know about that or is that just me yeah okay great oh yeah yeah, no, <laughs> I, oh, was, yeah. I was Forget wondering maybe still and so uh ren not you though you're you're all good on your dishes you're 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 keeping it tight uh i live with my parents all right so so <laughs> yeah oh okay nice all right yeah. during <laughs> the closure yeah, yeah. anyway that's my dishes never looked too um, but so anyway, um, that's like how warehouses are. When warehouses get really full, it gets, you know, the, the supply chain gets slowed down and clogged up. And so right now there's things that we need to legitimately move forward that maybe we don't have the capacity for. And so like, for instance, with like, with produce, we have a ton, we have a big glut of onions right now. Why is that? Well, you use a lot of onions in restaurants. But I mean, you know, do either of you ever make onion rings at home? Probably not. Yeah, oh, oh, you that's, do? I'm, I'm oh, weird. I mean, God, <laughs> God bless you. Yeah, totally. But for most people, the produce that you're having at home is like apples, bananas, carrots, oranges, stuff like that. And so there's not, you know, we don't have as much maybe apple storage capacity that we need because we have so many onions just sitting in in, in warehouses. Or we don't have as much, um, you know, processing capacity for fresh meat because of all the frozen meat that's, you know, whatever it is. You know, uh, I'll tell you one big thing that, that that's stopping up. It's like all these places want to start bringing in their summer clothing. You know, it's getting nice outside. People want to buy shorts. But all their spring clothing is still sitting there yeah. in the warehouse. So what do you do with that? And, uh, and I think we're going to see a really interesting next six months in terms of how firms get rid of all this excess inventory because you know kind of the traditional places you would get rid of it like a salvage dealer or outlet malls or whatever well those are all closed too and so you still have all this build up and the sort of drains that you use to get the inventory out of the system are are, are all blocked up as well do you think that might cause those things to really drop oh, yeah. in price no it's it's going to be like spring clothing is going to be unbelievably cheap. Um, Cause let's say you're, you're like Macy's or something. Huh. You brought in all your spring stuff. You want to do all of your summer stuff. Okay. But you got, but you don't have room to have both. Now you could do something called hoteling. Hoteling is where you just hold it for a year and then, okay, we'll try to sell it next spring. 
um, when I worked in uh, at Amazon, we used to do this sometimes with Halloween costumes, although very, very rarely. Mostly we would just kind of get rid of them um, because it costs money to hold on to stuff. And so I doubt Macy's might be able to do it with a couple things, but they're not going to be able to do it through the whole line. So, okay, what would they normally do in this situation? Well, they would send all the clothes to like a TJ Maxx or a Roth or Burlington or, you know, something like, you know, one of those kind of off-priced uh, apparel brands, except TJ Maxx isn't selling anything either. And so, you know, they might be able to, to do, I mean, if, if they get the price low enough, they might be able to get some of that pushed down to these sort of off-priced value retailers. But the other thing they're going to have to do is just market way, way down on sale. I mean, if you... I know I don't think kids go to the Gap anymore. Uh, so so maybe you guys didn't see this, but the Gap right now is like 75% off for a lot of their stuff right now. Because the way so, so many businesses are sort of month to month and they just, they don't have the capacity to hold all the clothes that they have. I mean, the, and the Gap, you know, I mean, I don't think they're even paying rent this month. I think they, they announced. So, I mean, they, they might be in real trouble and, and you know, we're going to see, okay, inventory become very cheap for some things. For other things, it's going to be more expensive. Like, how is it more expensive than I had them? Uh, but you're also going to see, I think, a lot of places like maybe the Gap, like maybe GameStop, sort of stores that were on, you know, uh, on the downward slope already. This will be the piece that sort of uh, pushes them over the edge. I think this will speed up. This will act as a catalyst wow. that will speed up the decline. And I'm not saying it's going to be those two stores specifically, but uh, although those two stores definitely have problems, uh, it's going to be the the thing that speeds up the demise of a bunch of uh, kind of I think retailers that and businesses that were trending downwards. So you've brought up a little bit about how you think it's going to be affected now, um, but. How else do you think it's mm -hmm. going to be affected in the future? In the future? So, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are going to change. You know, one of the... You never waste a recession in business. And what that means is, you know, during hard times, you have to figure new stuff out. We have to become more efficient. We have to tighten our belt. We have to do whatever. And then you keep those lessons going forward. Okay. So like, you know, if you look at the rise of things like dollar stores and outlet malls and value retailers over the last 10 years, that's really an outgrowth of the recession when, you know, people had less money and we had to get rid of inventory and, you know, we were shopping at dollar stores more. And a lot of people, you know, they shopped at dollar stores during the recession and they thought, well, this isn't that bad and I can save money and this is fine. And so you've seen, you know, no no one company added more store space in the U.S. last year than Dollar General. And that's really a direct outgrowth of the recession. And so if you think about the way businesses work, well, you know, I've had probably 15 or 20 meetings on my computer so far this week. And that's been pretty much fine. There's, and there's a lot of folks, I think, who are discovering, oh, you can work from home. And you don't have to maybe rent a 10-story office. I can just rent a five-story office. And I also think that, you know, there's going to be sort of middlemen retailers that are cut out of the loop a little bit. So take Nike, for example. Nike is still trying to sell shoes, but they can't sell any shoes 
from Foot Locker or, you know, uh, Dick Sports or anywhere like that, they have to sell everything directly online. And apparel has been one of the things people have been slowest to, to move to online just because, oh, you'd want to try the shoes on or whatever. I don't think I don't think that's as true for probably your generation as it is for maybe the one above you and, and the one above that. But now that's how you have to get shoes. And so, you know, you'll see places like you know, shoe retailers. It's like, well, well, what's the purpose that you really have? And one of Nike's goals is to get to the point where 50% of their sales are online anyway, because Nike gets more money uh, for every shoe they sell online because they don't have to split the, the profits with Foot Locker. GameStop, I think, is another example. You know, the gaming, the video game industry is, is exploding right now, right? Uh, people have to stay home. They're downloading more video games. They're playing more stuff. And so for, you know, Electronic Arts or Sony, it's been a great time. For GameStop, it's been horrible because people, I think, are starting to realize, well, we don't really need them anymore. Essentially, they're Blockbuster, right? I, I don't know if you guys were old enough to really oh, remember Blockbuster. Yeah. but you, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, so back in the olden times, uh, you would, uh, you would... <laughs> You would get you would get on your horse and you would go down uh, to to rent a, a, a DVD and um, and and so Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore because now if you want to watch a movie you just you know it's on your computer it's on Netflix it's wherever you want it to be essentially video games are turning into the same thing and so GameStop announced actually you know after we come back from the quarantine we're going to come back with 350 less and. And so, you know, I really think, and, and they were already trending in that direction, but this is really going to be, I think, uh, a sort of a turning point that we look back on and think, oh, wow, it, it, you know, business and the way we buy things and who got to stay being a business and who didn't get to stay being a business really changed when we had that, that quarantine. And, and I think we don't even know what all the changes are going to be yet because, yeah, I mean, we're, we're coming back a little bit. We're doing the safe at home, you know, or safer at home. But we can't really come back. We can't really turn society back on until we figured out, you know, instantaneous testing. So we have enough tests for everybody, which we're still not even close. And we figure out some sort of vaccine. Until that happens, there's not going to be any like, oh, we're all, you know, back on campus and all going to bars and restaurants and, and like you know i mean do any of you think it's going to be a good idea to go into like a broncos game before we know uh you know what tests uh you before you have tests and a vaccine does it seem like a great idea to just you and your sixty thousand of your closest friends all packing into a stadium does, does that seem like a good idea to any of you guys no no, and that's why they're uh, doing all the games to no audiences, which should be really right, weird. Right, So we're not going to be able to come back on, you know, probably for another year, maybe, maybe, maybe eight months, who knows? And so we're going to see a ton of change in the way businesses work, in the way the supply chain works, and some of it we probably don't even know about yet. Now, the good thing is, usually you come back stronger and more efficient. It, it's, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So usually we, we, we do come back having learned really good lessons and being much more prepared for the next time something like this might happen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Zach. We've got one more question for you, and this is just kind of a summary look over everything. What do you think we should 
look out for the most going forward, i.e. what would be, what dangers do we have to be aware of? So I, I think, you know, on a macro level, not this isn't really maybe a supply chain answer, on a macro level, it's you don't want to come back too soon because then you've wasted the last seven weeks, basically. Uh, on a supply chain level, I, I think it's, you know, you, you have to really appreciate, one, the job that the folks working at processing plants and, and uh, driving trucks and, you know, working in, in places like Amazon, uh, you know, because, you know, like I said, I, I used to work in those warehouses and, and people are really, you know, it, it's tough to really avoid people. And so there's people out there who in the supply chain that are kind of unseen. I mean, it's easy to see, you know, what, what somebody who's interacting directly with people is doing, you know, the people who are still doing takeout at restaurants or working at target or something like that. It's easy to see that, but there's so many people, you know, back one to two steps away from the consumer that are essential workers and out there doing, uh, you know, a ton of, a ton of work to really keep society afloat. Um, and so I, you know, I think that's, you know, the first thing you would, you would kind of need to take away from this is, is just the appreciation of the resiliency uh, of supply chains and, and how quickly so many firms have moved to uh, this, this sort of new reality. And, and honestly, it makes me hopeful uh, to see how quickly, I mean, there's things that we're all taking for granted now uh, that we would have never imagined two months ago. You know, my, I, I had a Zoom call with my 88-year-old grandmother uh, last week. There's no way that was possibly ever going to happen uh, before she had to figure out how to use it uh, because of the, because of, you know, I don't know. So, you know, I, I think, I think there should be hope. I, I think we should be vigilant and careful because this doesn't seem like it's, it's going to end anytime soon. Uh, but the supply chain right now remains, uh, remains pretty strong. Now, things like, you know, meat packing plants could drop out. Uh, but, but I, I think that in general, we're, we're probably going to be going to be okay. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird time, I guess. And, and I don't really know, I guess, in terms of, oh, what should we all do or what should we all look for? I mean, you know, if you want to know where the economy is going, I would say look at oil prices and look at tender rejection rates because that tells you everything you need to know about movement of goods and movement of people. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, uh, I probably am rambling at this point. Going forward, you know, just just be careful, appreciate all the stuff that's going on, and and and, and understand that there's really complex processes, you know understand there's a reason why people are doing things like dumping milk or selling oil for negative $40 a barrel and, and stuff like that. And it's because of the complexity uh, behind all these products. Well, honestly, uh, we could talk to you all day, Zach. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Thank you so much you for coming show. on. Yeah, I know it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Right on. Well, if you missed any part of that interview, you can find it on our website, kcsufm.com. We're going to take a quick break, but we're, we will be right back. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And 
we recently heard from our reporter Coda Babcock with the COVID-19 outbreak. And then we heard from Professor Zach Rogers a little bit on supply chain management. And if you missed any of that, you can go ahead and check it out on KCUSUFM.com, as well as the rest of this episode. But moving forward, uh, we've got something I like to work on. It's called News Secure the Blues. And just a little something to brighten everyone's day. With the reality of COVID-19 and quarantine keeping Americans stuck indoors, it can be tough to face the day. However, good news still exists, even in times like these. I'm 90.5 KCCU News Director Max Hunter, and this is News to Cure the Blues. Coronavirus is challenging, but our community never fails to come together and chip in to help support our essential workers. Volunteers from all walks of life have gathered at the closed Fort Collins Senior Center to create masks for Northern Colorado. According to Fox 31's Evan Krugel, the center has made more than 2,000 masks and dubbed themselves the nation's first so safe site. This is because all volunteers must follow social distancing guidelines and take temperature checks before entering. They are welcoming more volunteers, and you can find their website link on our website, kcsufm.com. Bandcamp, a fair trade online music streaming service, is stepping up their efforts to support local artists. Bandcamp allows listeners to buy the songs they stream and choose the price. Typically, Bandcamp then takes 15% of the money, which is already generous compared to services like iTunes and Spotify. But now, to aid artists losing touring revenue during quarantine, Bandcamp has decided to waive that 15% on the first Friday of the next three months. Bandcamp has already waived their share of the revenue once on March 20th, and on that day alone, raised $4.3 million. When you're stuck at home, it's incredibly easy to get bored. Thankfully, North 40 News has put together an awesome collection of fun things happening virtually in northern Colorado this week. The Rock and Roll Playhouse is live streaming a kid's show every weekday at 1 p.m. on their Facebook. The members of the group do sing-alongs that are fun for the entire family. On April 29th, Tinmath Beer Works will be holding a music bingo contest. And on May 2nd, Scene Magazine and School of Rock Fort Collins will be holding their weekly NoCo Live From Home show. They play from noon to 8, and you can find more details on their Facebook. This has been News to Cure the Blues. All music in this episode was made by me, and I'm 90.5 KCSU News Director Max Hunter. Let's all try to stay healthy, well-rested, and positive. And that was news to cure the blues. We're almost done with our show, but Ren, very important question. What day is it today? Today? Yeah. Today? Yeah. <laughs> today is National Blueberry Pie Day. Uh, blueberry harvesting starts in early April and lasts all the way until September. Blueberries are also considered one of the healthiest of the berries. According to the national calendar, they are full of antioxidants and this nutrient helps inhibit cancer developments and helps prevent urinary tract disease. Eating blueberries may assist in maintaining healthy blood pressure, reduce blood sugar, and ease symptoms of depression. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Today is also Workers' Memorial Day. This holiday encourages national and international remembrance and action for workers killed, disabled, injured, or made unwell by their work. It is also known as International Workers' Memorial Day or International... Uh, commem commemoration day or ICD for dead and injured or day of mourning. The slogan for the day is remember the dead fight for the living. And today 
is also National Superhero Day. This holiday celebrates both the fictional superheroes in comic books, movies, and television that provide role models for children and also celebrate superheroes who may not wear capes. The real-life superheroes that may be celebrated today include military personnel, police officers, firefighters, medical workers, and even teachers. And that is all the National Day news I have for you today. Thanks, Ren. Of course. There's something in the air. And you know what? Yeah, what is it? I think it might be the weather. Oh, heck yeah. Yep. So today was warm and pleasantly windy, with a high of 71 degrees and a consistent breeze. It was a nice day in Fort Collins. On Wednesday, you can expect the temperature to rise and the winds to die down. And on Thursday, you're going to see your high for the week peaking at 84 degrees with substantial cloud coverage so you don't get a sunburn. And that's our show. Ooh. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of people to thank. Uh, I'd like to thank our awesome reporter, Coda Babcock, uh, as well as Brittany Liskey, who unfortunately can no longer be with us for the rest of the shows this semester, but is typically with us on Tuesdays. So thank you. Oh, we got to thank Zach Rogers. Thank you so much for coming in and doing that interview. It was definitely very informative. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we got to thank the people who work with us at 90.5 KCSU. Hannah Copeland, Julia Badalise, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Monty Daniels, Raven Color, Josh Kellogg, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Desiree Cruz, Taylor Sandal, Sam Bonifay, Yasmin Conjures, Matt Guzmarati, Griffin Ham, and everyone else. We couldn't do this without you. Thank you. I got to thank you, Max. It makes me so sad that our time together is growing shorter and shorter as we finish these shows. Yeah, we only have three more. Well, I'd like to thank you, Ren, for National Superhero Day. You're my superhero today. Aw, that's so cute. Uh, I want to memorialize your work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and yeah, we have to thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, we're really lucky to have this opportunity to get to talk to you a couple times a week, so thank you so much for listening. Yeah, it definitely makes everything a little less lonely. Yeah. And with that, we'll, we'll see, see you, you next, next time. time.